welcome to episode six of Culture Talks. We are Heather and Shyla, the regional managers of Crown's Global Skills Team. I'm Heather, I'm based in the UK, and I oversee programs in the EMEA and the Americas regions. Hello, I'm Shyla, I'm based in Hong Kong, and I oversee programs in Asia Pacific. Each episode of Culture Talks, we want to pull back the curtain of cultural training, bust some myths and do this with our own stories and examples on different topics each episode. We want to showcase the impact and the scope of cultural training. Last episode of Culture Talks, we looked at the three top strategies to take from cultural training. This episode, we're looking at returning home successfully and the challenges and potential barriers you could face and which often get ignored, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so we're recording this um, in December. So it's a time of year that, you know, in a lot of countries around the world, there are a lot of celebrations, a lot of festivities where people are thinking about going home, maybe even just for a short time. But it really made us think about, you know, home from a cultural or cultural training perspective. And that's why we're doing this episode. Right. And, And today's myth is that returning home whether it's at the end of an assignment or even just for a short stay, like a holiday, is actually comfortable and easy. Like slipping on an old pair of slippers, wouldn't you say? (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. And I mean, you know, how many of us, you know, it doesn't have to be just like at the end of an assignment or living abroad. How many of us have gone on a really amazing holiday or had like a really huge and exciting life event and then found it really super easy to just slip back into the daily routine? Right. I know I definitely do not find that very easy to do. Or when you just find it really weird that something so massive has happened in your life, but everyone else seems to be just like going on as normal. And yet you feel so different. Oh, yeah, I understand that. And and we're going to talk about why it's so impactful in a personal and and in business environments. You know, pre-COVID, it was generally accepted that people were three times more likely to leave their job after working abroad than average so there's a real impact here and why today we will really explore how going home is not really as simple as we may think it is yeah absolutely so we're talking a lot about going home so we actually wanted to start by asking like where or what does home actually mean to you and this was a really interesting question it sounds really simple but actually when you start to feel into it quite a lot of us really struggle with this one Shaila what's home for you Mm, Okay, well, I have two homes, right? So I grew up in the UK. Um, I've been living in Hong Kong for 20 years. And I keep saying, like, for example, I'm going home for Christmas, or I'm going home for the summer. it's, It's confusing for me. I know that home is where my personal and my private space is. But I get it's kind of like a bit complicated. And you know, it's it's I guess it's somewhere where you've been all your life kind of thing, right? Yeah. So I think so I've moved around like as a kid we moved around every two three years a lot as my adult in my adult life as well and I think for me home is somewhere where I feel like settled and at peace it's not an actual place it's more of a feeling so somewhere where that I've maybe got roots history and it was interesting when we spoke to other people and we asked other people about it they had the same sort of thing that actually home is a place where family and friends are rather than maybe where where you are and other people saying that if they were living abroad it's a term that they use when they're talking about the country that's not the one they're in at the moment so maybe that would be for you when you're in in Hong Kong that would be the UK for you yeah no I agree I think you've you hit the nail on that one, definitely. Mm. For me, so yeah, that's right. And in this industry that we work in, you know, global mobility, we mm. call going home 
repatriation, right? So this mm -hmm. is the phase at the end of an assignment. This part of the relocation cycle often gets neglected, you know, there's less support from companies given and there's less emphasis. It's always about you going on assignment, but less about coming back home. Yeah. And that, you know, and yet we talk about there's a big impact for companies losing their staff afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So today we're going to delve deep into the phenomenon known as reverse culture shock. Most people know about culture shock when you go abroad, but it's less discussed when you come back home. And this is what stops people from feeling like they've successfully returned home. Right, absolutely. <clears throat> so let's dive in. So there are several different stages. So the first stage of like reverse culture shock is is really one about like you're disengaging from where you are um, and preparing for for where you're going. And, you know, that's in an assignment. You maybe sort of like stop kind of making future plans and you start sort of really focusing on the, all the things you're excited about where you're going. And even I think at the end of a holiday, sometimes you sort of just think, OK, yeah, I'm done. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to go home now. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's really about like focusing maybe on your to do list of going home, planning where you're going to live if you're coming back from assignment, who you're going to see, getting into that excitement of seeing friends and family. And that's what then leads you into stage two. So these two stages are the ones I think that are the most recognized and the most sort of, you know, commonly um, understood. Because stage two of reverse culture shock is the honeymoon period, that mm. that first period where Everything is wonderful. Everyone is so excited to see you and you're making loads of great plans to see friends and family that you haven't seen for ages. When I came back to UK, just the excitement of knowing that I was going to shop in shops the way I liked the clothes and that they fit me or like being able to go into a supermarket and just see pickled onion monster munch or like the things that the food that I had really missed. And that honeymoon for me also as well, like that honeymoon period was really all about like the senses. I just remember how fresh how fresh the UK smelt. Everything mm. looked shiny. Walking into a pub felt amazing. Having a pint of cider was like the best thing ever. Um, so, yeah, it really just felt like everyone was friendlier. Like it was just it was one of those like, you know, you'd see it on a film or something. It was just incredible. And that's the honeymoon period. Oh, I, I understand. I I get excited about the efficiency, you know, things like, for example, trolleys that work properly. You know, there's a, there's an organized structure. You must be talking about Asia, going back to Hong Kong, right? Of course, <laughs> going back to Hong Kong, you know, and things are uh -huh. organized. But then also when I'm in the UK, I love understanding the conversations with the supermarket when I'm, you know, I can hear what yeah. the cashier is talking about, you know, what was on TV last night. I feel included and, and yes. things just start to click, you know, and that, yeah. that makes me feel really excited when I'm back home. Yeah, absolutely. It's so lovely, isn't it? You just sort of feel like you can relax back into speaking really quickly and not having to sort of watch mm. your watch your language, like using sarcasm or just like phrases um, from where you're from. Uh, you know, and I think that that you're also like relaxing back into those cultural values within the language, you know, that we talked about in episode four. Um, mm. But it does. It can come with a flip side. Like when I first came back from from Taiwan, I remember my mum um, via like getting home my mum took us to the Asda in Gloucester um, big shout out to the Asda in Gloucester but I actually had a funny turn because of this massive sensory overload I could understand every conversation that was going on around me I could read everything in front of me and my brain had just stopped processing information in that way so I had to go and sit with the old ladies at the end of the checkout and like recover because my brain was processing so so much it was really interesting 
Oh, wow, that sounds like a real turn you had there. So you, the place <laughs> where you feel like yourself. That's what you're trying yes. to say. Like, you know, where you feel like you're you're really being who, you, right? Yeah. Well, the next stage we talk about in reverse culture shock is the dip, you know, the irritability and the hostility you feel. The culture shock hits first, and then you realize you have to relearn how to fit back in. Mm. Here's where we want to bust the myth that going home is comfortable really quite easy Mm. well during this stage frustration starts to kick in and you're on that roller coaster of emotions finding yourself having to readjust and it might start with something really small you know like for example people who've moved back from the UK after living in the US notice like a little bit of friction and frustration at differences in customer service standards they find themselves having to consciously dial back and tone down what has become normal behavior yeah, absolutely. And I think it's it's really interesting because I think when we go when we're away from home, we do tend to focus on the good bits from our past and like from home. And we, you know, kind of cut out the bad and gloss over the bits that we weren't so amazing. We create this like idealized version of home. Um mm. and and it's an idealized version that hasn't changed. So where you're adapting, but you're just in your head home is staying the same so that's when like the bad and the new parts that you weren't expecting you weren't because you sort of you know don't think it's going to change become really confronting and and you feel very other and that otherness is 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 odd in your home country and you know so for me when I moved back to the UK um after nine years of being being abroad you know I wanted to change industry and I really struggled because so much changed like there were so many new qualifications and and I I was really I found I spent a lot of time being really frustrated and feeling like everything in the job market had become very very constrained everything was very regulated it was very different to what I was I I started to think back to where I had been and really the freedom of what was what was possible and really I felt very angry with the UK but I also just expected myself to get it I was not expecting to have to learn the job market and where I fitted in that was really quite confronting Mm. And and we see that, right? I mean, changing roles, you know, when you come back home, it's very common in the corporate world, you know, it's hard to get back into the office environments and, you know, the teams that you're working with, they have expectations and there's always this hidden stress of needing to redefine yourself with your international experience, you know, whilst fitting back into the office and colleagues who stayed in the country as if, you know, nothing happened really. So it's difficult for companies to support and retain people once they've returned unless they can capitalize capitalize on international experience it's yeah. hard that lack of connect connection with your colleagues you know yeah it really really is and it sort of begs the question isn't it you know is there a responsibility if a company has sent someone abroad is there a responsibility to support them when they move home and you know I was really lucky because I didn't move with a company so I was supporting myself but I was also just supporting myself I didn't have anyone else to think about you know I could I could just go and you know focus on like what I need to do and what I needed to be able to like reassimilate but actually you know there's so when you move with a partner you move with children there's just so much more support that's really that's needed for them as well Absolutely. So where there's support for the relocating partner, as you said, but also imagine, you know, like the children, right? They go to international schools and then they're coming back to to change into a local school system. And, Mm. you know, sometimes they have to do exams to get into the schools and there's a lot of pressure going on. And, you know, when they make that families make that decision to repatriate, the children only don't even have a connection with anybody back home. So it's even more stressful for everybody involved. 
Yeah, totally. And this happened to me, you know, I didn't live in the UK until I was eight, you know, I was born in Taiwan. So I was actually what we call a third culture kid. And Mm -hmm. moving in moving to the UK, this was like, you know, another new country for me. Um, And yet, you know, I had been raised to believe I was British. So yeah, that was quite hard. You know, kids were talking about cartoons that I didn't know. And, you know, I had to repeat a year at school like the schooling system was very very different and my maths were I mean you could argue that that is just my maths but you know because of my maths wasn't following the same system I repeated a year at school so it did have an impact on me and I actually also remember you know we'd moved around and we'd been abroad for my dad's job and I remember coming back into the UK and where one of the first places we lived my mum hated it and she actually still hates that place in the UK now and I actually wonder if it was the stress of this stage that actually really impacted them I'm I'm sure it is I'm sure Mm. it was because you know it really there is a real psychological impact of returning home there's that again we talk about that hidden stress of not understanding or getting it so when Mm. you go home you look and sound the same as others so other people don't really have the time to explain or support you in any you know the same way you might be if if you knew someone was from another country like a tourist right yeah totally yeah like if you see a tourist you know somebody's clearly a tourist with a map you're likely to go and help them right but if I saw someone Mm. you know who was British who had a map I wouldn't necessarily feel like I you know needed to go up and support them so yeah it it really is it's very interesting like having to try and work out how to reintegrate into friendships into society you know where do I fit because you know like you had to ask you I constantly had to ask my question like how much do people really want to hear? And actually what I was finding is people didn't really want to hear like what my stories were because they were so different. And that all cr- continued to create this otherness. I found myself having to really monitor myself um, because I was trying to fit back into my old ways, but I wasn't that person anymore. You know, I always think about that first really awful wet muddy British winter and I was wearing a coat that I'd left at my mum's house and it was a coat that I bought 10 years ago and it was so symbolic like everybody else was 10 years ahead you know like I was 10 years behind everyone else had got like better career progression they'd bought houses they'd got married like I really had this like very angry story that I had created this situation where I was 10 years behind. Mm, and I bet you were critical as well of everyone back home. Oh, 100%. I apologise to the British public. I was very angry. Yeah, I really very critical about what was going on um, politically as well as just sort of generally like people's attitudes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know what? Actually, there's studies out there that it's it is confusing when you're going back home and it's 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 isolating and it can be exhausting. And this can actually lead to depression in some mm. cases. Yeah, absolutely. So the final stage of of reverse culture shock is actually the bit that you would assume you'd get to kind of, you know, quickest. And that's the acclimatization, sort of accepting and settling in and really feeling like you are like back home. And this stage can take much longer to get to than you might expect you know it can take be from six months to years you know I remember having been back in the UK for three years and still having moments of feeling really really other and just really like yeah observing what was happening and thinking what is this so you know but what can we do with this you know we we wanted to talk about returning home successfully in this in this episode and you know we've discussed the dip and how that can really stop people from feeling successful when we return home but what can we really do about it well I guess we could um, look at the tips from the last episode when we they were good ones they were right we talked about pausing slowing down and looking deeper and really, mm-hmm. you know, notice that stress. Don't be afraid yeah. of like like recognizing it. 
And yeah. also try and make those small shifts in your behavior. Talk about it with others and call it out. You know, explain to others how you're feeling. Like if you've got post-holiday blues, talk about it. Yeah. If you're going through reverse culture shock, talk about it. Realize yeah. that you're going through a recognized cycle of emotions and behavior. And be aware of, you know, the fact that you're not alone. And yeah. it can only get better, right? Yeah, it definitely it definitely does get better. Um and even like from a corporate perspective, you know, what could what could you do within a company if you're relocating back? You know, you could look at having, you know, some repatriation training or coaching, something like retaining, you know, a home country mentor um, so that you get you stay up to date with what's going on, like in your industry, back in your home country, potentially. Um, so, yeah, there are things to do and it certainly does get better. Um, but yeah. So today, I mean, I hope we've shown that the idea that going home is not like putting on an old pair of slippers. You know, you know, maybe now your feet have grown. Maybe you don't even like slippers anymore. You know, Going home carries such an expectation um, that things will be much the same. But you have changed. So as ever, our lovely audience, we want to leave you with a question. Let's go back to that question we asked at the beginning. What does home mean for you? Um, and then have you ever experienced a dip, you know, uh, for some frustration after a big and possibly life changing event? You know, what did you do about that? So thank you so much for listening. Shyla, it is always a joy. Join us next time for episode seven of Culture Talks.